Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the three and D podcast. I am Justin Lewis. Joining me as always is Mr. Benjamin P. Hogan. How are we doing, sir? Doing all right, but uh, you're you're verified now, aren't you? I joined, you're for the blue check brigade. <laughs> I've joined your club, the uh, <laughs> the Twitter verified club. Finally, um, I'm as famous as you are now. <laughs> <laughs> now we're the Grizzly Bear Blue Checks. That's I mean uh, one by one. Yeah, they're getting dished out. Yeah, they're getting dished. Um, you know, I, I put it in the in the Slack. My wife said that my Twitter verification is not as valid since uh, Nate Chester also got one. So there goes that. <laughs> no, you can't you can't be uh, discounting your your own validity by comparing it to someone else's. Like maybe Twitter made a mistake with Nate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I earned it with my four hundred followers. Hey, each one counts. That's right. All right, Ben, we got the uh, the NBA finals going on where game three just took place. Phoenix is up 2-1. Uh, off-season talks heating up. Grizzly Bear Blues has all their draft prospect um, profiles going out. Um, I got one coming out this week, tomorrow, actually, on Zaire Williams. And then going forward, we got a couple of second-round prospects coming out, which we are going to discuss one of those tonight. Uh, so I'm going to introduce our guest. Uh, he is the head coach of the national champion, Shawnee State. Coach Thomas, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, doing well. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, we were talking, of course, about EJ Anu. Is that how you say his last name? Onu. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. So he is – I'm, I'm just going to read this um, – profile that i put out on him um Mm -hmm. on june 23rd okay he's six nine his hands are nine nine point seven five inches which is the same as Kawhi leonard his wingspan is seven eight and a half which is the longest wingspan in the entire draft class he averaged four and a half blocks per game he shot 57 percent from the field 40 percent from three on four attempts per game 
eight rebounds and 17 points per game. Coach, why is EJ so overlooked? Um, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the question that needs to be answered. You know, that's the question I still have as well. Um, but, no, the kid is about 6'11", 7 feet. Oh, wow. Uh, so when he first came at 17, he was about 6'9". So he has grown. Um, he's going to tell you he's 6'11". He doesn't want to be a footer. Um, but I've I seen him every day. I'm about 6'8", 6'9", but the kid towers over me. Um, but, you know, honestly, um, what he has been able to do in four years um, on how he has grown and his professionalism on how much he works on his game, um, it's just crazy to me um, that someone, um, you know, at that next level hasn't uh, been able to see more in him yet um, or just to say, you know what, I'm going to take a chance. Um, but I think somebody's out there fooling everybody and they're going to actually take a chance on him, just trying to keep everybody at bay. Some, somebody's had to have said something to him because he kept his name in the draft um, mm -hmm. when the mm -hmm. withdrawal day has come up. Um, so it – I'm excited to see what happens with him. And a lot of people projecting him late second round um, or, or maybe being a summer league pickup uh, in Vegas. And I think if, if somebody takes the chance and signs him summer league or takes him late second round, they're going to get an absolute steal um, mm -hmm. in this player. Ben, I know you got something. I'll let you hop in right here. Coach, obviously you brought EJ in for a reason, but what, at what point did you realize that you, you got a special player? Um, that was when I first had a chance to to see him when it came to recruiting him um, at 17, you know, 16, 17 years old. Um, you know, if I was a D1 head coach, D1 assistant or anywhere, I would have said we still need to have this kid. Um, just based on how his game was, his game was based on defense first. Um, you know, and those type of things, when it's about defense, it becomes about the team. Um, so I knew offensively you can – definitely help a kid like that to develop and get better. Um, but he had to work ethic. You didn't have to force him into the gym. He wants to get in the gym every day. He's in the gym with, without anybody there. Um, he works on his body when it comes to rehab. So, you know, it was, it, it was a no-brainer when it came to recruiting him. Yeah, so uh, what would you say heading into this draft is the biggest strength that EJ could offer to a team that takes him? Uh, defense, defense again. Uh, but honestly, the, the biggest thing outside of basketball is just going to be his professionalism. Uh, when it comes to that, that next level, I think a lot of people are going to gravitate to him um, based on, you know, he doesn't really have anything holding him back. Um, he just has that story, you know, that mystery of, of why, why stay at Shawnee State for four years? Um, why, why um, should someone take a chance on you now? Like, the kid is is somebody that is, is special. We call him a unicorn. We always call this kid a 2K player, just the way he <laughs> plays uh, basketball, you know, um, and what he's able to do. Because um, it, it's more to him. He's going to definitely continue to get better. Um, and I, I'll have a question for you guys. You know, how many guys in this draft are really, uh, you know, completely polished? I mean, I think everybody in this draft is, has some development to do. Um, so when you add somebody like EJ Uno to that to that category, um, late second round, he should be a first round pick based on some of the stuff that you mentioned from his 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 height to his hands, um, his intangibles. But um, he's going to bring it every day. He's going to get better. You made a comment about like 
he's, he spent four years at Shawnee State. And I, I just want you to talk about like his loyalty, because I, when I was doing my research, you know, he had opportunities to transfer somewhere to a D1 school, but he stuck it out and stayed with you. Uh, can you just talk about his loyalty when it comes to that? And that was that was by far the hardest conversation to ever have with one of your players. Um, especially being your best player. You know, he was one of the first recruits I was able to bring in. Um, he came in as I took over as the head coach. Um, so after our first season, you know, he, he came to me like, hey, coach, you know, I got schools interested in me. Um, you know, I'm really – he's excited, you know, just like a little kid because this is all he ever wanted um, was to go D1. So I had to explain to him and not be a head coach at Shawnee State. I had to – explain to him is like, hey, you know, I'm his mentor. I'm somebody that really has his best interest in hand. I said, you need to take it seriously. Like really look into, you know, those opportunities. Um, I said, don't look for me to make that decision for you. Um, you have to really think about that. And if you feel like, you know, this program for you to go division one is is what you need and it's gonna really, uh, you know, cater to, to your goals, like, you know, we really got to consider this. Um, and that was a tough conversation, you know, to where I couldn't be selfish in that, in that regard. Um, but he evaluated, he, he talked it over with his circle, with his family. Um, and essentially, you know, me just being honest with him, me just putting in a lot of time um, into him and, and, you know, the impact he had on the university um, allowed him to stay because we just came off of a losing season. You know, we were 14 and 16. You know, it wasn't to where we had just won a national championship. So essentially somebody could have been telling him the greatest thing ever, but um, he, he made the right decision. If you look at it in hindsight now on us being able to win a national championship, um, he putting himself in a position, defensive player three times um, in, in, in four years, um, you know, two-time All-American, you know, over 530 blocks you know, in four years, like it's just impressive what he was able to accomplish. So do you, do you think that um, it's because he's a four-year player and because he's at a lower level of competition that that's why he is projected so late or as an undrafted free agent? Uh, do you think that people are just disrespecting him based on those two things? I mean, I think it's, it's the, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, when you get to that level, when you have to make those type of decisions, uh, you don't want to be that guy that that messes up. So, um, and you want to go with what's normal. Normal is you get a Division One player uh, from this school or that school. Now you even get an international kid. Um, but for you to say, you know what, I'm gonna get a six uh, eleven seven foot NAI national championship player who has won, um, you know. 80 games, um, but at the same time is, you know, doing what he's doing, 530 blocks. If you just listen to that, that's not what happens, you know, every year. So to me, that becomes, hey, this is a guy we take an opportunity on instead of uh, it's a lower level, it's NAI. He played against uh, not very good competition. He's not ready. No, this this becomes that that rare breed that if I'm thinking correctly, this is – you know, if I'm in that position, this is what I do. I'm going to take that chance. You mentioned about his defense, and that's kind of what mm -hmm. you latched on to initially because you knew that you could work with him on offense and everything like that. And from year three to year four, he improved his three-point percentage, I think, from 26% to 40%. Can 
Is he just mm-hmm. now kind of reaching that? Like, can he improve still on his shooting? Definitely, definitely. Um, because he's able to shoot the basketball. It's more just the mental side. When you become a shooter like that and you can really shoot, that's when you talk about that junior year to the senior year. Um, he had a down year shooting his junior year. Um, it wasn't that he he wasn't in the gym. He literally, for four summers, has dedicated his summer to being in the gym working on his body, working on his game. Um, so he had that development, but he just was in a terrible slump that year. Uh, for him to come out that next year um, was great to see the way he did it because uh, he just had an example now of like, okay, I'm investing all this time on myself. When am, When is it going to be my turn to, to do this? Um, and he had been in that box for a little while. Uh, what I mean by that is being a 6'11", 7-foot guy, his previous coaches in high school and different stuff like that uh, was more or less telling him, like, uh, you have to be inside. You can't shoot threes or, you know, at, at the volume he's shooting it at. Um, but, you know, for me, I've I, I seen that right away. The kid can shoot the ball. I just had to instill confidence in him that he's going to have some bad percentages, like you said. But essentially, his senior year, you know, we reaped the benefits of that. Um, and he was shooting well over, you know, 45 percent um, until basically our final two games. He kind of shot bad in those two games and it really took it to 40 percent. OK, so my question with him at, at 6'11", 7 foot, can he play the wing in the NBA and be successful or is he going to have to be more of a, a back or a front court uh, big type player? Uh, I mean, I, I would like to see him more on that four or five than than at that three. The thing about him is that becomes where the game is transcending now is he would be able to switch out on a smaller defender. So that will allow him to be on the floor. Um, but you could use him. He can score inside. He doesn't have to just shoot the ball. Um, but he doesn't have to be your go-to guy either. Like he, he can play. You know, Jai and those other guys can do what they do, but you got somebody that's going to compliment him and, and your better players, your, your Dylan Brooks and guys like that. So that's where EJ, he, he had four years of his first year, he wasn't the guy. You know, second year wasn't the guy. Um, but towards that third and fourth year, as he continued to develop, um, his role changed. And I could see that happening for him in the next four years. Next four years, he's 25. What is that going to look like? You know, and that's that's the scary part that I'm thinking about as a GM or or somebody in a position to, to draft somebody like that. Um, that's where I start seeing the, the special side. Yeah, that was my next question is, it, mm-hmm. can he defend on the wing? If he gets switched off onto a guard, is, can he hold his own? Because I don't know how much of the Grizzlies you saw in the playoffs in the first round, but the Jazz absolutely murdered Jonas Valanciunas on on switches on the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Is he somebody that if he gets switched off into a guard, he's not going to get your team killed? Correct. I agree. He he is going to be that type of guy. Like he's going to be able to do that. Um, that's one of his greatest strengths. You know, I, I could see some parts offensively. Uh, you might want to work on it, but those are all workable stuff. But defensively. Switching out, being able to defend the guard, you know, he's, he's capable to move his feet laterally. Uh, you know, at the same time, he's going to be a rim protector that you have out there as well. So I can see him in that position. Then I'm, I'm just imagining 
EJ and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the floor together as seven-footers that can I'm block scared. shots, switch on all the picks, and shoot threes. Come on. That's scary. That's scary. Well, Coach, um, I don't I don't have any more questions. Ben, you got anything? No. I mean, if there's one thing that he could work on, I guess, because, uh, you know, we've talked about all his strengths, and I know we've talked a little bit about how he can work on his shooting and everything. If there's one thing that he really needs to work on or – where he can improve, what's that one thing, Coach? Just playing. One thing is playing. You know, that that's the, the greatest thing when it comes for him. The more he plays, the better he's going to get. Um, he's not a guy that played in the summer. He doesn't play summers when it comes to, like, summer leagues and, and different stuff like that. Uh, you know, try to get him to, to play in those type of settings because I think it would have really helped him in the, in the combine. Uh, but because he hasn't been in a situation where it's really no structure, um, you know, he's kind of put in a position to uh, to play and not know how to move and do different stuff. He's going to look a little different where if you put him in some structure type situation um, and he plays more, he's only going to get better, especially when he knows what, you know, is asked of him, of, of the scout. Like He has a scout, a plan. Uh, he's going to be able to go out there and do his job. So my my prediction for EJ is that he's – I don't think a team's going to take a chance on him in the first round because he's a four-year guy. And they, for some reason, NBA GMs are just allergic to four-year guys, even though they come – the Draymonds and the Dylan Brooks come in the league and, and are successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think EJ's going to end up being a top-20 player in this class when it's all said and done. Um, and I, I, I think that's a no-brainer for me. Um and I'm excited to to get to watch him play and and get his shot. And I'm hoping that's with the Memphis Grizzlies for sure. I'm with you. I mean, as hard as as hard as Memphis Grizzlies plays, um, and just when we talk about right fit, you know, I think he's going to find his way into the NBA. But the way Memphis plays, um, that is that's a perfect fit. You know, I think just that- on. That, under, that underdog mentality that, like, Ja has and, and some of these that guys, too. I think EJ might slide mm-hmm. right into that. Yeah. So I'm just going to say this, and this this is how I, how I see this working out for him. Um, when I was recruiting EJ, you know, uh, four years ago, EJ was recruiting Division I schools, you know, and it, it, didn't, it didn't work out for him. Essentially, um, you know, I was recruiting, 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 Essentially, he came here and, you know, developed, got better, won a championship. In the next four years, it's the same scenario. You know, he's being, like you said, underdog mentality. Uh, next four years from now, what is that going to look like? Because, again, nobody really wants to take a chance. They like what they're seeing. But they don't want to take a chance on him. And then somebody's going to take a chance on this kid. Okay, and then he is literally going to put everything into that team. When you talk about the loyalty side, when you talk about the commitment uh, to a franchise, like he he has all that. He has all that. He just did that. Um, He just did that in in college. He just spent four years of college, but he did it as a professional uh, of how he moved, how he handled his business. So that's where I just look at it again. These next four years, by the time this kid is 25, 21 right now, what is that going to look like and how that franchise is going to be? And hopefully Memphis takes that chance on him, man. I, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm praying for. Yeah. I am too, personally. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, Ben, unless you got anything, uh, we're going to let Coach off the hook here. I appreciate it, Coach. No, I'm, I'm good. No, I appreciate you guys having me, man. I, I think it's great what you guys are doing. I know it's great for the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, hopefully you guys, whatever your end goal is, hopefully you guys reach it, man. Just continue to push, you know, and, and thank you. Thank you, Justin, for reaching out to me. And, Ben, I really appreciate your time as well. Nice meeting you. Yeah, thank coach. you. Nice to meet you, Coach. Not a lot yeah. of coaches are going to respond the way that you did. You've been uh, very gracious and patient, uh, and I definitely appreciate that. And uh, I hope that you get to uh, repeat and go back-to-back -back this year. Yes, sir. We're working right now. Mm -hmm. I Thank you. It. All right. Yeah. Well, for Coach, for Ben, I'm Justin. This has been another episode of the 3 and D pod.